If you want to diversify your satisfaction in life, move from only thinking about your own dreams to helping others walk in their dreams. Let's talk about how to activate someone else's calling on today's Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Wade Joy, and we are on a journey together to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams. And it's so easy to think that our dream is the center of the universe, but one of the best ways to realign our perspective is to fan the flame of the dream in someone else, whether that's a friend, a family member, a child you're raising, or a coworker. And that's why I wanted to share this conversation I had recently with Stephen Webb. Everyone who knows him calls him Sweb, but Sweb excels at helping other people chase after what God has put in their heart. He coaches church leaders and staff full-time and has done some version of that for over two decades. And Sweb and I both served together at Elevation Church, and he is someone who always challenges how I think. So I think it's going to be a very enlightening conversation, and I think it's going to give you some tangible tools to help you develop the people in your life and to help you add value to anyone that you're in relationship with. But before we get to that conversation, I want to share a message I got on Instagram from a listener named Kevin. So Kevin recently wrote in and said, I've listened to your podcast pretty regularly. My family and I feel the Lord leading us to make a move soon to another city. It's a very long and crazy story, and we first felt a shift about a year ago through some God relationships and such. But your podcast has helped put some things into perspective and has been a part of the process. I hope that encourages you. Well, Kevin, that definitely encourages me, and it's awesome to hear that you're discerning God's guidance and leading in your life. And it's also really refreshing to hear that this podcast has played a small part in your journey, in your discerning process. And so thanks for sending that in. And if any of you are listening and you have a story or a testimony of how God has moved in your life through this podcast, I would love to hear it. So leave it as a review or send me a message on Instagram, and hopefully I can share it on a future episode. And also don't forget to share and subscribe so we can continue to grow our Dreamers and Disciples family. All right, now it's time to jump into my conversation with Sweb. Sweb, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. Man, thank you. I love going in reverse now, this other direction, because I've got to interview you a few times, but now I love sitting where I'm sitting. <laughs> I think the very first podcast I was on in the past year after I stepped into this new season was on your podcast, Thinkless. So you, uh, yeah, that's right. You baptized me into the podcast world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, it was a really shallow pool then. So, uh, things have probably gotten better for you since then. <laughs> well, I uh, actually mentioned you in a recent episode. It was about blessing and how you bless people when you see them for who they are and you notice them, you speak affirmation, life, encouragement, something specific that's going to bring them life. And then you sacrifice, you give of yourself to help them. And I talked about how you, when I'd just gotten done with the first draft of my book, and I'd sent it out to several friends, and I'd got some general encouraging feedback from them, but nothing that was incredibly specific or, you know, mm -hmm. even critical to help me get better. And I remember thinking, I'm going to send this to Sweb because he'll tell me what he really thinks. But you took that to a whole <laughs> nother level because over a weekend, I was just 
bombarded by voice memos from you. <laughs> and you were marking up the Google Doc and everything. And I was yeah. blown away by how much time you took to help me grow in something that I was stepping into. And I'll never forget it. It really marked me, and it helped me a lot, too. A lot changed about the manuscript because of that. But that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast today, because we talk a lot about how to surrender our dreams to the Lord and how in our culture, whether it's church culture or not, we tend to put ourselves at the center of our dreams. And what I've noticed about you is you have this I don't know if it's just a natural gifting or if it's something you've learned, it's something intentional, but you love to fan into flame the dreams of other people and to bring out Mm -hmm. the gifting in other people. And so I really want to talk about that, not just how do we live out our own dreams, but how do we help other people live out their dreams? So maybe let's just start there from a big picture standpoint. Where does that come from? Is it something that you learned from someone in your life or where did you learn this skill? Man, that's man, that's just, okay. Thank you for observing that and calling that out. I because I do. Let me just give a preface, I guess, uh, justification of some sort, or I don't know, context maybe. But <laughs> that doesn't always feel that good for me. Like I don't always feel like what you just said. I can consciously go back and remember actually doing those things with people, even just yesterday or whatever. But uh, it doesn't always just. You know, sometimes I'll get that selfish side. It's like, well, that that didn't do anything for me. <laughs> um, but sure enough, the next day I still do it. So I guess on some funny like answer to your question, I guess somehow in me it's an in, it's a it's an innate thing maybe or habit or something. I don't know, but it is something I've done for a long time. Uh, but again, I'm just saying it's kind of funny how it rubs me the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm going right. to chalk that up to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> just saying, hey, I'm going to put you in this place. You're not really the smartest guy in the room, but fan that guy's flame. Sure, knock yourself out. Bro. And I'm like, cool, Holy Spirit thinks. I'd like a raise one day. Hey, I'd like to have a job like that one day or something. <laughs> and that's kind of our wrestle, me and the Holy Spirit, I guess. The, the first practical um, I don't know, story that comes to mind when you ask that or yeah, where that come from is I just remember uh, early on, my mom says this statement. Uh, or taught us this statement years and years ago. And I really haven't heard her say it a lot lately, but it is what we do, which is, she says, every time you go and connect with somebody or serve somebody, and this is, again, she's telling me this in elementary school, you always just finish the sentence, what else can I do for you? What else can I do for you? And it's kind of one of those, you 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 remember the teaching we heard years ago about mechanics then leads to changing your mindset or that, that kind of progression. And I can just envision myself and remember vividly even in certain situations where, we would just ask that. My mom would say before we leave, you know, you have your regular manners, please and thank you. Okay, say thank you for dinner tonight to so-and-so. We would say that. And then she'd always kind of tag on that other thing. What else can I do for you? So those mechanics of saying that has ultimately stuck in my brain, I think. I think that's probably where it all started from of what else can I do for you, which then I think over time puts you in an automatic posture to just be ready for them to say something. And then you kind of just do it. And then I will, let me jump to the far end of where I sit now at 43 years old. I'll be honest with you. There are plenty of times it's purely selfish. And I don't mean like tangibly somebody's giving me money or something. It's not that. But I I do have this sort of, I know that sounds like a really funny thing to say, by the way, selfish <laughs> part. But um, but I have this thing in me where I just get really excited because I'm able to sit back and be like, I know where that guy got that. I, I know I know who pushed him over the edge. And I just, I don't know, I just like that. That's a sort of compensation to me. You know, it literally obviously doesn't pay the bills or those kind of tangible blessings and, and you know, give backs. But, but I, that is something that really fuels and drives me and seeing somebody progress. And I, 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 again, I think it started with my mom, but it's definitely something I just do almost naturally and habitually, I guess now. And, uh, 
I look for it now. It's just a fun thing. Yeah. It's almost like you've learned to diversify your satisfaction, that you don't just find satisfaction in what you do, but you're finding it in something that you've yeah. invested in someone else. And even as we yeah. talk about, I was thinking, we talk about fan into flame, that's 2 Timothy 1.6. And Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame. And so Paul's mm. realizing that we have to remind people to keep fanning into flame the gift that they have. And you posted something recently. I I went back through your Instagram before this interview because you have a ton of great content there. But you said, what if if someone else's calling is only activated by your voice? Can you talk about that? Because it was a really rich post. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And it's funny. The first time I ever said that phrase was in a hot tub with some dudes in West Palm Beach (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, a couple of years ago. We'll save that story for another podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So we were in a really deep spiritual moment there at this church conference in a hot tub and uh, I asked that question. It just hit me. But anyway, so I've also said a few different stories about how specific words lead to specific actions. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times we'll say things that we think are flippant and other people will take them as law, like just law of nature, kind of, you know, like it's just fact, you know, you just have to do that. And everybody sees some version of this in in their maybe church or business where the CEO or the lead pastor says something that's just flipping out their mouth, but everybody else is like, oh, he said he likes blank. Therefore we have to switch everything. And we all, again, we probably all have some story of that, but I, I think there's a, that's, that's kind of reality. I just, I kind of think that's how it works. And, uh, you know, I think that's a Holy Spirit thing. And my point to that post was, what if you intentionally did that? What if you weaponized that? What if you leaned into it instead of just, oh, I didn't know they'd take it that seriously. Flip it and go, I'm going to say something that they better take seriously. And the story that comes to mind that I've written on in other posts and, and taught on even recently was, I'm in elementary school playing soccer. I'm on the soccer field. I'm fifth grade. I think it's specifically the time I'm in. And I've played soccer my whole life. And so I'm on the soccer field and I'm, I get the ball and uh, kind of take it away from a guy and I run down the, down the field and I end up scoring. But in that play, as soon as I had stolen the ball, I start to take off and run. And I can hear my dad on the sidelines. He said, use your speed. And it's funny that I'm sitting here now at 43 and this is in fifth grade. And he said, use your speed, which is a really dumb statement because (laughs) of course I'm using my speed. What a dumb thing. Now it's funny that again, even years later, that's the only thing I remember him saying, but it's also probably around the time of my life, I figured out I was fast, not just at running, but as you know, I talk fast, I think fast, I decide fast. I do everything fast. And I just wonder, and it was really a purely like a a wondering. I, I don't know if it's true, but I wonder if that's where it started. And when I was kind of wrestling with that statement, like like the one you just read, I went back to that moment. I was like, I, I wonder if that's the case. So now I wonder who I can be on the sidelines for, say something specific, and then they're fast the rest of their life. And so I that that's kind of where that comes from. And, and I've seen myself do that. As you know, there's people on staff uh, at, at Elevation because I said something crazy like, hey, why don't you just quit your job and uh, take a $40,000 pay cut and come work on my team or something. And, you know, other people think that's crazy, but you know, they're like, okay. And it was kind of on some level a crapshoot, you know, you don't know if they're going to do it, but I'm not going to be silent. Cause I wonder what future out there could be created. If somebody just said something, can I give you, I, I don't know the scripture reference, but I want to give you even just a little Bible. And this is your territory, man, to be teaching Bible, but there is <laughs> even a scripture that sticks out to me when I say this. And so when Jesus is like, who do you say I am? And the dudes are like, well, I mean, the word on the street is you could be this guy or that guy. And yeah, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about you? Like, who do you say I am? And then he says, well, I mean, I, I think you're Jesus Christ, son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're, you're, you're the thing. And he goes, cool, thanks. Blessed uh, are you. 
And then he says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Well, anyway, um, if you go and study that, that's the first time Jesus ever used church in the local church context. That's the first, before it was like kingdom of God and real big and this, this, this cool idea that nobody could really pin down. But in the, in the translation, that's the first time he used the church that you and me know, which is the local church version. And so the way I just took that was, had he not answered that question correctly, I wonder if we would have what we have today. Would God have done his thing? Would Jesus have gone off and asked somebody else? Sure. I, I know that Peter or whoever can't thwart God's plan. But it was interesting that when he spoke up and answered the question, it, op- it unlocked a new future that had not previously existed. But in that sentence, because he spoke up, all of a sudden Jesus changed from kingdom of God to I'm going to build a church now because you just you said the right answer. And so that's even like a scripture that comes back and encourages me to say like, hey, just say something because you don't know what future could be unlocked when you do. I love that, that our words have the power to unlock someone else's future what God wants them to step in. And you even Mm -hmm. said that in that post, that belief is spoken into someone, not hoped into someone. And I think so many of us, we think so many good things about other people, yet we never do the simple action of actually saying it and realizing how much weight our words actually carry with people. And I think that's something you, you, when you talked about you weaponized that, I mean, you've taken the voice memo and you've (laughs) taken that to a new level. And and I, I meet so many people who you've connected me with that have the same story of, you know, there's one specific bit of encouragement that Sweb sent them on a voice memo and it really challenged yeah. them to take a step or to believe something about themselves. So you've lived that out mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and that even brings up the power of connecting people and how, you know, mm-hmm. yes, we speak things into somebody, but then we can also help resource people to live out that dream or live at that calling by helping them cross paths with other like-minded people who have something that they right. don't. So can you talk about that? Because I know you even have an, an ebook on networking and and you see it as mm-hmm. a very spiritual thing, not just as a practical thing. So talk about that. Well, let me back in, let me go reverse uh, kind of order of the way you talked about and ask that. So the ebook, for example, one of the examples and illustrations I've given there is where Paul in Acts is uh, just wandering through town and he ends up on the mountain and he's like, uh, the Areopagus, I think, right? And he starts basically talking to the guys. He's like, hey, here, here's my opinion on how you guys have things running here. And then as it says in there, they said, that, that basically, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, I'm obviously giving you the sweat paraphrase version of the Bible. But the guys are like, okay, this is interesting. I want to hear more of this. And it says that very specifically, it says, then they took him. And then he, you know, continued on with his, you know, conversation with these smart stoic philosophers or whatever. But that phrase, then they took him. And so the whole premise in that that ebook and I guess kind of the biblical tie-in to why I'm such a big fan of and even think networking is a mandate, not just a personality or a business trick or whatever, is because some of the best places you need to go to do the things that you need to do, you can only get there by being taken. Like somebody has to take you, like even in our modern context, I don't get to call the president of the White House and say, can I come to dinner? You have to be taken there. But imagine what could happen if you are taken there, what you can speak into, what future you could unlock, what just like intriguing thing you might kind of say that then triggers uh, a new a new future, whether it be big or small. But I just feel like a lot of the things, if not all of the great things God's going to ever do through you, is going to happen because somebody else takes you there. And again, in modern context, they have to hire you. You have to be invited to a meeting with big preachers or, or big businessmen. I mean, those are not things you just knock on the door and just swing into. Hey, bro, just want to stop by and tell you how to do your church, bro. Like you just don't do that. And so again, we flippantly kind of assume, oh, well, sure, well, we know you have to be taken, right, but weaponize it, put intention behind it. 
so because of that and my desire to just help and, and you know, kind of activate other people's dreams or see what else they can do, I just have put those things together and just find a lot of, again, it sounds kind of selfish and funny, but a lot of personal satisfaction in just seeing two people smarter than me get together. Now, they're smart. And, or, you know, this guy's smart and this guy's smart and they're smarter than me, but it would have never happened without me. So I still have value in the total transaction, if you will, or I have value in the, the future that would be unlocked there. I just don't have to now be in the conversation for it to still, you know, come to you know full fruition. And again, I, I love your phrase a minute ago. I didn't write it down. I need to not forget it. But the like diversified my satisfaction. So brilliant way to say that. Uh, that actually is going to help me in the future now that I have language for that. But sure enough, yeah, I just go, oh, I did, I did my part. And that actually brings me joy. So I just kind of put that on the shelf. Hey, who else do I need to connect? I, I will say this too in that, in that ebook and also just other times I've even posted is when you're the guy who does the connecting, you'll always be connected. So if you want friends, go help other people make friends. <laughs> so right. you're not going to be without. And it's funny because we always think that, and this is true for probably finance and everything else, it, you know, the whole story of the whole uh, big theme of blessing. Like it, the thing you need more of is probably the thing you need to give away. So if you need more friends, go connect friends. And I promise they'll remember who made the connection. And if nothing else, it'll be a silly podcast. It'll be a silly voice memo. There will be some mention that brings back that that full circle. Hey, that's the guy that connected us. You know what? We, sh- we haven't talked to him in a year. Let's reach out to him. And then that time, let me just jump even further. Ahead. Um, and that mention a year later when they send this random text from some guy you hadn't talked to in a year, it'll be at the exact time you needed that encouragement too. Happens every single time. And those are things I've seen. And so because of that, I've latched onto it and learned to, again, like I said, weaponize it and put a lot of intention behind it so that I can you know, continue to stack that up. Yeah, I love that. And I think about several conversations I've had with you too, where you have said something like this, I just trust that God's going to bring this back around one day. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you've talked about it from a, you know, saying it's selfish that somehow it's going to end up helping you when you watch someone else succeed. Right. But I think you also have a deep belief that the Lord sees it and the Lord's going to honor it yeah. and bless it yeah. in His time. Mm-hmm. And that's also been something that's challenged me yeah. too, to realize that God is the one who controls these outcomes. And if I can give what I feel like I need and I want, then I'm giving it not to that person, but ultimately to God, who's going to turn it around and do something right. with it that I can't even imagine. That's right. You've also started several group texts of like, I'm in a dad group text with you. I'm in a finances group text with you. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, you're, you're constantly bringing people together. And speaking of, you know, yeah. well, actually, before I go to, because I want to talk about family and how we raise kids to actually mm-hmm. chase their dreams from a realistic standpoint, but also a faith standpoint. But part of helping people walk in their calling and their gifting is helping them walk that line between realism and hope. And so how do you walk that line between encouragement and challenge with people? You know, speaking the truth in love. We love the love part of that, but we don't like the truth part of that. So how do you how do you do that? Or do it well? Um, well, that's what I was gonna say. I, I do it, but I don't know how well it turns out all the time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm very decisive, you know, uh, so I'll, I'll make a decision, but it doesn't always feel good. Or it's funny, one of my mentors, my favorite, my one, my top mentor, if there's such a thing of ranking, um, he said, um, he said about himself that I've adopted, he said, I'm not always right, but I'm always certain. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, that's me. I totally get that. <laughs> so 
It's funny. I, I'm very hyperlogical. I'm the curious guy. I ask why a lot, uh, but not like the eight-year-old who just asks why for no actual reason of trying to find out, but just obnoxious. I'm not, I'm not quite that, that way, but, um, but I do ask why a lot because I want to get to the end result that you think you're supposed to get to or you want to get to. That being said, uh, I'm able to then take this whole journey of here's what you want to do, here's what you think is the outcome, and I'm able to kind of chunk that and help people take steps. And so I can encourage belief and I can encourage uh, action and I can instill belief. I can give you and loan you confidence and loan you courage. And I think that's, for example, what dads do. I think that's what good leaders do is you loan them confidence until they can believe for themselves. So I, I do that. But the difference is I don't do that with the hope or intention or the assumption that it's going to come or that's going to uh, go all the way through to the end. You know, I'm not encouraging an eight-year-old to go to the NBA, for example, or some big jump like that, but I'm going to absolutely encourage you to take a step towards whatever you think is the next step. So, okay, well, let's go out and play then. Let, let's go out and shoot some baskets right now then. Let's go throw the ball right now. Not, yeah, buddy, you can go into the NBA. So I don't, I don't do that. And I do think a lot of people do. That's where that, you know, whatever you put your heart and mind to, you can accomplish. I don't buy that. But a lot of pastors say the same sort of things, you know, just follow your calling. Yeah, just pray about it and God open the door. Like, I don't, that's a little too incomplete. So I, I, I kind of chunk that. I break that up into steps. Like, I don't know where the end is going to lead, but if you think you're going to be, let's, let's talk about something specific. If you're going to be a church planter, I talk to a lot of those guys. You think you're going to be a church planter? Well, cool. Well, why don't you put a couple people in a room and, uh, and let's, let's just chat about what could be. AKA, can you gather people? <laughs> Two, can you hold their attention for 20 or 30 minutes? Three, can you even help and take your dream and put it into words and make it their dream? AKA vision, which is a, an ambiguous term that nobody actually unpacks. But I do that by <laughs> saying, hey, put some people in a room and let's let's talk about it. So you see, I didn't encourage yeah. them to go start a church. I didn't encourage, I don't even probably believe that guy could start a church, frankly. But I said, but I definitely believe they could have a dinner party. Yeah. And I can, I know that's one of these steps on the way. Does that make sense what I'm saying? How I kind yeah, of just it break it up. And that way- I'm able to speak the truth and belief at the same time. No, that I've actually never heard you break it down like that. And I think that's a very helpful handle for people. Like, don't think of the long-term destination. Think of the next step. And really, that's... That's right. Even in like faith and obedience, all of that, yep. I, I believe God gives you faith to take the next step. There are things that God has done in my life that I didn't have the yep. faith to pray for then, but we had the faith to take one step. So that's great. It's funny that you bring up the NBA. This morning at breakfast, I was talking. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to interview Sweb today, and we're going to talk about how to, you know, help people, help other people chase their dreams, but also be realistic." And I brought up the NBA thing. I was like, "You know, all of us are short, so we would have never been able to be in the NBA." And then Ferris, my wife, tells Liana, she goes, "Yeah, like you're not going to grow anymore. You're you're probably done growing." And Liana's like, "What? I'm always going to be five one? And Ferris is like, "Yeah, you're probably you're probably going to be that." And Liana got so upset. I was like. Mommy's just killing people's dreams this morning at breakfast right now. And I'm and I'm the one who's like, oh, you'll probably grow a little bit more. And Ferris is like, nah, you're not going to. So even within our family, you've got you're the done. Ferris is the truth, I'm the love voice. That's so funny. But I know I mean, let's stay there with with talking about parenting for a bit because I know that's something you're passionate yep. about. How do you recognize gifts in your children that you want to fan into flame? And how do you actually mm -hmm develop that. Yeah. Well, another thing I do because of my hyper logic nature is I also like to define things. So, you know, gift is pretty ambiguous, really. Uh, unless you're talking about like one under the Christmas tree. But other than that, it's pretty it, like spiritual gifts, for example, the gift of 
prophecy, holy moly, bro, be careful how much encouragement you do to that because they don't actually know if that's their gift. They just heard somebody say it one time at a worship night when they were pretty emotional. So it's pretty ambiguous. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like, define what you're, what you mean. So I want to see fruit and that's going to be a really good indication of a gift. But I'm, but I think what a lot of people say when they say gift, what they actually mean because they're, but they're lazy is they mean passion. Like, man, that guy has a gift for this. No, he's just working really hard at a hobby. If nothing else, his gift is probably hard work. It's probably not actually, you know, music or or whatever the thing is he's working hard at. So I just try to define a little bit more, at least in my mind, I'm not saying this to the person or to my son or or my daughter, but in my mind, I'm trying to, I'm I'm looking for the fruit, the patterns, the trends, those kind of things. And then that helps me identify, quote, gift. And then that's the thing I can Again, go back to previous conversation. I can go in and then chunk that into different steps that I can hopefully push them into. But that, that's very helpful for me rather than trying to, because I, I, again, if you were to try it right now, if I said, Wade, what are the top five or 10 gifts that you see in people? It'd be very hard because there's just a lot of ambiguous things out there. And, and I, again, I'm looking for fruit, which again, probably takes the mystical, spiritual nature out of it. You know, it's like, oh, he, he works hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. That, that's what I'm looking for is hard work because it's not, Hard work, for example, is not a contradiction to gift or um, or favor or those kind of things. And I think sometimes we, we say that is. I think, for example, skill uh, is not the same as gift, but they sure as heck aren't opposites. And, you know, I think sometimes we're like, he doesn't have this skill, but he's he's got a heart for it. And I think there's a gifting in him somewhere where he's going to magically go from five, one to six foot and go to the NBA. Like, whoa, bro, that's not, I don't know if that's the definition of a gift. And so I know I'm kind of chasing and bouncing around some different options and suggestions or thoughts, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm looking for fruit is how I'm able to identify what I perceive as a potential opening for a gift. And then I just lean into that. And that way I'm not making a promise for them. I'm yeah. just encouraging them. And I think that's an important distinction to make about your passion doesn't equal your gift. Because I think, you know, right. and I've talked about this some, but we take a dream we have and all of a sudden we turn it into a calling. And we say, well, because I want this, mm-hmm. then it must be my calling. Because I'm passionate right. about this, it must be my gift. And it might be, but it might not be. And we might have the wrong understanding of gift right. and calling, which I think <laughs> yeah. I think we've turned the word calling into something yeah. that it's actually not biblically. Um, totally. yes. <laughs> but once you see the fruit, how do you encourage more fruit? Because sometimes we think that we just need to give people just encouragement. But I also think there's pressure that helps produce more fruit. So can you talk about Absolutely. the role that pressure plays as you're trying to raise somebody up or develop them? Yeah. Well, I, I did. I think I posted this the other day too. I'm not sure. I definitely talk about it a lot lately, Is but is the idea of pressure. And you have to put pressure on people, I think, as a leader, as a dad, as a grown-up, <laughs> just as a human. Uh, and you need to also invite it. Because I agree. I think that's going to help refine and define a lot of stuff that people are just flippantly calling callings or passions or those words. You put pressure on, all of a sudden that gets real clear. It might have just been a good idea. And then just to tag on to what you're saying, you know, just because you're passionate or maybe you're good at something doesn't also make you a calling. Uh, I mean, that's your story uh, of the of the worship transition. But I, I, sometimes, a lot of times, you can be good at something that leads you into what ultimately is going to be your, your gift or calling or your long-term purpose or whatever. And that was just the thing that got you to the next step. Um, you know, in your case, I need to play guitar and sing to get me into a conversation or relationship that's going to serve me well for a couple of years. But to do what I really need to do, I needed the skill part and the stage part 
part to get there. So anyway, I put pressure to keep, again, refining and defining that and determining, wait, is that, are you just good at that? Well, let's put pressure on to see if you're committed to it because you can be good and not committed. I'm the guy that's really, I'm pretty lazy. I'm good at a, at a fair amount of regular things. I'm the handyman guy. I grew up an athlete. I'm very coordinated. But a lot of that, um, I just came real easy to me, which is actually detrimental now that I'm older is I don't, I haven't really learned to really push through hard things. I've just learned to just sidestep hard things. <laughs> so I see that in me. Uh, this is kind of a tangent now, but I see that of like, man, I don't, I don't want my kid to do that. I'm going to punch my kid in the face every day, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, you know, figuratively. But I want them to see what hard life is like. Not, not in the, again the crazy, arbitrary hard work. But I, I'm going to, you know what? Let's put pressure on that. If my son asks a question or says some crazy thing that an eight year old would say, I challenge him on it. I don't go, yeah, buddy, good idea. Yeah, that's actually not how life works. And I put pressure on because I want them to start to learn how to discern the law of physics. <laughs> uh, I want them to discern reality, those kind of things. And that doesn't kill dreams. To me, it focuses them. They go, oh, this is attainable. Because again, a myth and a dream look similar from afar, but you get closer to it. You're like, this is dumb. This is never going to happen. This is even real. This is even how the law of physics works. You know, those kind of things. And so I feel like pressure helps discern that. And so because I'm hyperlogical, because I'm decisive, because I also on some level wish people would have done this to me earlier, I lean in that way on my kids and see my, I don't know, habit or, yeah, I guess it's habit of putting pressure on them as the thing I'm doing to fuel their dreams mm -hmm. or focus their dreams. Man, I talked about a few things right there. I don't even know if I answered your question now that you say that, now that I say all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you did. Um, kind of in the same vein, can you talk about the confusion between nice and kind? Because I think that plays into what you just talked about. And I think that can be a helpful bit of clarity. Yeah, so I got that from a friend a couple weeks ago. He's at a massive church up in Kentucky, and he's a good leader. He built a church before, so he's got all this great experience. And but but the thing that I love about him most that we're similar. He's um he's he's more eight than I am eight on the enneagram. <laughs> There's such a thing, and he's just real blunt to the point. And he's the one that kind of had wrestled through this. I guess you'd call it a theory or something that there's a pretty good difference between nice and kind which again, just tagged right in with my desire to define things and find clarity about things. So anyway, that credit goes to Carl Kuhl. Um, anyway, he he has this whole distinction between nice and kind and, and the, the short paraphrase version that I think most people listening to this understand once you talk it out. But, you know, people say, that's nice. You know, if you've heard somebody say, oh, that's nice, what that means is that's stupid. <laughs> you know, so... People know that. Uh, I actually have a, a bad habit, and this uh, yeah, our, our buddy Brandon Petty, he calls me out on this sometimes too. When I say that's fine, <laughs> he knows that I'm saying that's stupid. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's the, I'm like, hey, you know, you can do that if you want. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> and then he'll say, oh, crap, that means we shouldn't do that. So I think when people say that's nice, that that's what they mean. It's actually on, that actually makes you feel better because you don't have to have a hard conversation to be clear. Kind, on the other hand, is very intentional and requires uh, vulnerability, and it's about them. I'm going to make you better even if you don't feel good about it. And I like the distinction between nice and kind. And to your point, that's just one example of, of how we've taken a couple of words, we've interchanged them. But if we really get you know, serious and do the hard work of defining those types of things that we see that if we're saying something's nice uh, or if we're acting, quote, nice, or we think the goal is to be nice, we're actually robbing people of what they really need to be hearing uh, that, hey, you probably shouldn't, you know, no, you probably shouldn't wear that dress. No, you probably shouldn't stand on that stage. No, you probably shouldn't take that job. You probably shouldn't send that post, you know, whatever. That would be the kind thing to do in the long term. But nice is a real short, easy thing for you to get out of a hard conversation quickly. So one's about yeah. you, one's about them. I've heard it said, and I've taught this to worship leaders that 
clarity is kindness. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to your emphasis on defining things, but not letting someone know where they stand because you want to avoid the awkwardness of a conversation is a very unkind thing to do. So so be kind and clear. And there's a way to do that in a kind, loving way, but don't sidestep clarity when it can actually help someone. I just posted this the other day too, and it's something our buddy Josh and Charlotte, I texted him actually last night just to say, hey, thanks for being a really good leader. I hadn't talked to him in a couple months necessarily, but I, I was like, hey, he, he came up in a conversation yesterday when a friend asked, hey, who's a good leader? Uh, give me some examples. And I mentioned him. But to the point of kindness and clarity, uh, the thing I posted, I think yesterday or before, is like, I wish, I wish people would have told me certain things at 20 instead of 30. And Josh was that guy for me. So this is a real example of how, if I can encourage anybody out there, be kind, be clear. That's different than being rude. Okay. And there's tact and tone and all the other things. I get that. But he was the only person. And I, God bless my parents and my wife and everybody else, whatever. But he was really the first and only person to really get surgical and really get kind of forceful and clear because he's not rude. I've never known him to be rude, but very clear about the things I needed to fix and change. And they were really simple things that as soon as he told me, I'm like, oh, frick, this whole time, nobody's ever told me this. And one specific practical thing he did, if I can just take a tangent, hijack your podcast guess for a second. He said, um, he told me that, you know, it's the classic, it's not what you say, so every time you say things. <laughs> and I hate that statement so much because sometimes I'm like, no, no, it's really just stupid. No, not how I say it. It's just that idea was dumb. But anyway, I said, well, I just need to know maybe in real time what you're saying, because again, that didn't make sense. This didn't make sense. Because a lot of things also are really, a lot of tone things are really on the receiving end as well, or somebody's a little oversensitive. And if I have to bubble wrap my feedback to you, you're the problem. So there, there's a whole thing there. But my point is, Josh took that seriously. And the very next day I was in a conversation, I said something pretty quick and pointed. It wasn't rude or anything like that, but it was a quick one. He goes, hey, that, that right there, that thing you just said, and he requoted what I said. And he said, that right there is probably the thing that goes sideways with people. And I just thought that was a really kind thing to do. Hmm. And it, it dramatically, and you wouldn't even know this way, although you would have seen the fruit later from it. You just didn't know where it comes from. That really opened up some things for me a few year, over the next few years to insert into different meetings, to be able to pull some different strings that I otherwise probably wasn't going to pull. And it's because somebody was kind, or in today's politically correct culture, rude, but he was kind by being very clear about, hey, that and specific, that thing right there. And he gave me a handle finally. And I thought, to your point of kindness is clarity, that was really, really helpful for me. I love that. Good job, Josh, if you're listening. (laughs) Well, I think that's because I wanted to end on what is one practical step that people listening to this, they say, hey, I want to get better about not just thinking that the world revolves around my dream, my gift, my passions, but how can I help call that out in other people? What's one step they can take after listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast? I think it's the simplest and sometimes it's the hardest for people because they say, they, they blame it on personality. I can't do that because it's not my personality. I can't do it because I'm an Enneagram number. You know, you don't understand my history. I don't speak well. You know, and I'm like, well, that didn't, that did, that excuse didn't work for Moses. It sure as heck isn't going to work for you. And so that being said, when something or somebody comes to mind, say it. No, I don't mean go off and rant and cuss and scream. Not that kind of stuff that comes to mind. We're all grown ups. We know what I'm saying here. But when something or somebody comes to mind, and just say it. And the first time it will, it is guaranteed to be awkward. Who cares? 
the the success you're going to see in life is your ability to push past the first awkward, the, the first, uh, the first dad's terrible. Yeah. And be a grown up and push past that. And again, it's funny. The, the reason I have Josh on the mind is because yesterday I did this. I haven't talked to him in a couple months and, but he came to mind and I said, Hey man, I haven't talked to you in a couple months. Hope everything's going great. Yada, yada. Just, you came up today. Just wanted you to know. And that's, that's basically all my memo said. And I've done that. I think I've done that for you before and different people. And it that's the thing that ultimately changes the course of their life, whether it be in a moment or long-term. I've seen full-on careers change, true story. Careers change because I've done something like that, as have, I'm sure, other people. Uh, that's helped me. And um, and so I feel like that's the that's the number one thing I would say. And then every other practical is going to come out of that because yeah. somebody's going to hit you back. And they're going to be like, hey, let me ask you something. Now that, now that you've hit me up, I, I forgot about you, but you might actually be great for this job. Or, hey, would you come on this podcast? Or would you do X, Y, and Z? You don't know. And so every other practical step is going to come because you decided to get past your own initial weirdness. You know, let me just be honest. Dudes, sending dudes voice memos sounds weird to a lot of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but all the dudes I send voice memos to somehow don't seem to have a problem with it. Because they love the connections that lead to trips in Italy or Taiwan or whatever, right? Somehow they seem to like the fruit of those memos. But it's the initial push that I just got over awkward. I was like, man, I'm just going to be awkward, I guess. I'm weird. And uh, that was very helpful. So see and say. And I'll just leave you with one little quote that's helped me. I don't even know where I got it. I'd like to think I came up with it, but I'm sure somebody else said it first. Is um, There's no better place to be than on somebody else's mind. And so when you say, hey, man, just had you on the mind all of a sudden that's the warm and fuzzy feeling that everybody gets. The hard, crazy dude, that that woman who's like having a bad day, the kid, the boss, everybody loves to know, hey man, I was on I was on that guy's mind and he sent me a text about it and that will change the game in every way. It will never be a negative uh, outcome from that. And that's great. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Sweb, you're a master at this. You've been, I mean, just <laughs> just in my life, you have you've been such an encouraging voice. And I know so many other people could say the same thing. So I just wanted people to be exposed to how you think. And if they can take just one or two things away from it and speak life into people in their world, I think it'll be a really valuable thing. How can people find you? How can they keep up with you? How can they continue to learn from you? I mean, two places. Instagram is my favorite place to just dump thoughts. Stephen P. Webb. I'm Stephen with a P-H. P. Webb. And then uh, website is sweb.fyi. That is actually an extension, but sweb.fyi is my website. And there's some nuggets on there somewhere. All right. Well, you can get the nuggets at (laughs) (laughs) sweb.fyi. All right. Thanks, Sweb. This has been great. Man, thank you for this. Appreciate you. I love that challenge that we ended on to as soon as you think of something to say about someone else, as soon as something good crosses your mind about someone, don't put it off, but say it. Send the text, send the voice memo. And so right now, who is someone that you can encourage, that you can call, text, voice memo, maybe you're about to see them at work, but go ahead and take action on it right now. And let's commit to be people that think something, that see it, and then immediately say it and respond. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. And once again, you can follow Sweb on Instagram or through his website or his Thinkless podcast. I'll put all the information in the show notes. So make sure you do that. Also, 
subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And I'd encourage you right now that maybe one of the ways you can encourage someone else is by texting this episode to them. So share the podcast. You can post about it, you can text it, but help us get the word out. And we'll see you back here next week on Dreamers and Disciples. Thank you.